Hi everyone, welcome to the 1570 Project. It's another fun 1570 Friday. That's my podcast name, Bethany. It's a sort of an inside joke from my husband's podcast. Um, but uh, long story short, I've invited Bethany Mandel to come on with me today, who's awesome. She's a huge inspiration for me. I know a lot of people are always impressed that I managed to homeschool four kids and like repair the house and still show up on a podcast with Tom five days a week and do my five own podcast. Wow. We do, yeah. So Tom and I do, we do a, a show five days a week and then I do an additional show once a week and then I produce my sister's true, true crime podcast once a week. <laughs> so. That's legit. So we're busy, but um, I have to say it's people like Bethany that have like made me think that it's even possible to do something like this. <laughs> like when I, I sat down last year and the schools were like, yeah, we're not really going to go back the way that you think of school per se. And I went, oh, no, I have four kids. What am I going to do? And, you know, I thought like maybe I can actually homeschool them. Maybe I'm smart enough to do Love this it. and capable of doing this. And, you know, there are people out there who do it and still like have a life and do other things. And um, it's really exciting and I initially thought it was just for the year and I was even even until like this spring I was still thinking like maybe they'll take back the mask thing by the fall when it was May and they were like look if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask anymore there's no more cases everything's going away things are great I was like maybe it will be normal and maybe the kids can like go back to school and have friends and now I'm just like feeling so depressed I'm like really how did this happen how do we get back to this place how did we get back to this place I mean I think because the the groundwork was laid and the precedent was set and now any cases send people into a spiral um there was a, a reporter I think she's with Bloomberg News mm -hmm. uh her name was it's a super Jewish name I think it was like Shira Stein I want to mm -hmm. say yeah Shifra Stein. I think it's like Shira. She yeah. tweeted last night. She tweeted last night. Um, Delta scares me like nothing else. And I'm like, oh well, this is why COVID healthcare reporting is so bat guano. It's because the people who are doing the reporting um, need help. Honestly, mm -hmm. the the I, I have this like I have this theory that I've de I developed in college. I need to come up with a name for it. But basically, what it is is Everyone I went to college with who was a nutrition major had an eating disorder. Every person who was a psych major were, was trying to cure themselves of their own issues. Mm -hmm. um, the communications majors had severe social anxiety and were trying to cure themselves of it by learning how to communicate in college. Um, there's a lot of other similar examples but those were sort of the more glaring ones i think that people with deep neuroses and ocd and um germophobia and hypochondria like all of these things related to health right. became health reporters because this mm -hmm. is their this is their interest this is the thing that like keeps them up at night but now they're they're writing all of this coverage and they're setting the tone for our response, but they are absolute germaphobes and psychotic and have not left their houses in the last year and a half and who mm -hmm. are double masking with N95s and wearing latex gloves and, and face shields to Trader Joe's. Right. I mean, 
I think for me, the moment when I realized that this was just like primarily a lot of people's psychological problem was last year during the school year when our school was starting to like slowly ease back into having more kids be at school. And one of the parents posted on our community Facebook group how horrified she was that the school hadn't notified her that there were going to be more kids than there had been on the bus that week. And that her daughter came home petrified that she was going to kill her parents because there were more kids than there had been on the bus. And her parents had told her that the reason there were so few kids on the bus with her this year was that, you know, if there were more kids, if they were packed too close together, that she was going to get COVID and kill her parents. So her kid came home terrified. And I was like, how can you do that to your kid? How can you go out there and tell your kid that they're going to kill you if they're near other children? I just like... I know. It was funny. I was talking to one of my best friends and, and we were sort of talking about the educational impact of all of this last year and a half on poor and minority kids. And I was like, you know, we have screwed an entire generation and kids like ours are fine. And she was like, no, 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 no. Our kids are fine. But the kids of the sort of upper middle class and middle class pajama class people, of which I think we count because my mm-hmm. husband worked from home in his pajamas for a year and a half. Um, most of their peers have been driven absolutely crazy with fear by their parents over the last year and a half. My, we've been, I mean, I think you can guess, extremely laid back, mm-hmm. but we're being a little bit more cautious for the next couple of weeks because we have a three-week-old. Right. And so we really don't want him to, ha- to get COVID in the next couple of weeks because a fever opens like a really unpleasant Pandora's box for a newborn. I mean, yeah, you don't even want RSV or any of these other things. No, that is no. So we're more careful. Like, forget COVID. Yeah, bringing, There's plenty of things yeah. to worry about with a newborn. Yeah, so we're being more careful for the next couple weeks. And the thing that's going around our community is COVID right now, but if it would be the same situation if the thing that we're going around were RSV or the measles. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my four-year-old woke up in the middle of the night last night uh, screaming that he had COVID. He had a nightmare that he had COVID. And I was just like, we're doing something wrong. And, and what we're, what we're, I think in my mind doing wrong is that we kind of explained to him, um, that we aren't sending them on the bus because of, because we don't want them around kids in close quarters like that. But we shouldn't have said that. We shouldn't have used that excuse because now our four-year-old is waking up screaming that he's terrified that he has COVID. And, but that's the norm for all of these parents mm-hmm. for the last year and a half. And it, I don't understand why no one is kind of like having a gut check. Re- like, because that to me last night, I was like, we are talking about COVID too much. Mm-hmm. That was a danger sign that we're talking about COVID too much. Well, yeah. And I think that, I think a lot of those parents would say like, well, it's not my fault. Like I didn't scare my kid. I didn't teach them that. I that's just how the world is. And I told my kid the realistic fears of COVID and it's actually all you like anti-masking, anti-vaxxers mm-hmm. fault that this has even happened, that we're even at this point, And that's why my kid is scared and it didn't have to come to this. If you had just done what you were supposed to do all along, it's all your fault anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it is their fault and it's my fault. Mm-hmm. We, we are the ones who are... they're not getting it out of thin air if they're exposed to the radio or the media that's on us for exposing them to it and I've been extremely careful over the last year and a half to shield them from the hysterical coverage Mm -hmm. I turned down NPR you know all those things Um, but yeah I mean it is my fault because I'm the one that's talking to them about COVID 
Um, and, you know, we kind of, you have to, we, we in our family kind of had to walk a line between like really sort of driving it home to him. Like, please don't lick the other kid's face at camp because we don't want you to get sick to bring that home to your brother because that's something he does. He licks other people's faces. Please mm-hmm. don't. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Well, we in a way, in our kids are fortunate, like your kids and my kids, because my kids have three other kids' faces to lick in our house that they can hang out with. But how many kids are in our kids' position right. where they have a bunch of siblings and they have parents who haven't scared the bejesus out of them over the last year and a half and who have obtained a quality education? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really concerning, and it's concerning because, I mean, my kids are going to have to grow up and live in a world with all those other kids, too, who are now, like, I mean, really, I think, traumatized by the fact Mm -hmm. that kids are this scared that a kid, like, having extra kids on the bus terrifies a kid so much that she comes home to her mom in tears, afraid she's going to kill her parents. Like, that's, I mean, I get it. We didn't, our kids aren't in a war or a famine or there's, a genocide I mean there's like way worse things that can happen to kids I understand the people who say like this isn't that bad it's not that tough like I get it but at the same time like this is needless and we're doing it to them for no reason and I was like so hopeful this spring that we have a really good vaccine I took the vaccine my husband took the vaccine like the cases went down everything seemed like it was going in the right direction and now we're just back to total hysteria and I just like if we're at hysteria over this, I don't see where the end point is because I've looked and I don't know. I feel betrayed by the CDC, to be honest, because oh, 100%. I'm like a person that I mean, I'm pretty mainstream, but I but I have a lot of people like in my world and in my community who are like very skeptical of the vaccine for a lot of reasons. And, you know, and they've been telling me all along, this is never going to end. It doesn't matter if you take the vaccine. I'm talking to my friend, Bethany. Hi, sweetheart. Um, and, um, and it's never going to end. They're never going to let you go back to normal. It doesn't matter who takes the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The vaccine doesn't really work. Uh, you can still spread the disease if you have the vaccine. And now I feel and like the-, the CDC just came out and confirmed all of that. And like my phone yes. over the last three days has just been blown up with people saying, I told you so. Told See, you so. never yep. should have taken it. Now I'm never going to take it. And I don't understand why they... I mean, they've blown up, as far as I can see from people I know who are hesitant to take the vaccine, they've blown up any chance for ever convincing a lot of those people now. Yes. Like, just this week. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, I have lots of these friends on Instagram, and I'm curious. I've been watching their Instagram stories because I was also convinced to take the vaccine while I was pregnant, no less. Mm -hmm. And my husband also took the vaccine when I was pregnant. Not that, like, my pregnancy mattered as far as him taking the vaccine, but... um, now all of these friends that I'm like hmm and they're all just now just posting screenshots of the CDC that's all they're doing right they were they are they are completely taking a victory lap and um and that's it and there was there was one friend who was spooked we we have a mutual friend who uh is on a ventilator right now she's pregnant and she has been on a ventilator for a week and um it's bad it's a bad situation Mm -hmm. and of our circle 
the other people that know her that had not gotten their vaccines have been spooked over the last week because it's pretty scary seeing a friend of yours go from fine to on a ventilator in three days. Right. And um, and then the CDC happened. And now they're all like, ooh, that was a close call. I almost got the vaccine, but nope. And right. like, I don't, I don't, I think they still haven't even acknowledged how much damage that they've done or just this week with this messaging and, and, and for what? And to get vaccinated people to wear masks now in blue states only, probably not even like in Texas or Florida, but like in blue states, you're going to have vaccinated people wear masks now. How many lives will be saved by that versus the lives that would have been saved if a couple more people had taken the vaccine, maybe if they had just been quiet? and let things go I that's what bothers me is it's like it's just the risk assessment between coming out with this message with absolutely no data to back it up as far as I can tell I mean I I haven't seen convincing data um I'm gonna say something that could get me canceled Mm -hmm. um is it the worst thing in the world for unvaccinated people to be getting the virus and show their compatriots what that experience is like because I have lots of friends right now getting COVID some of them are vaccinated and some of them are not and from my vantage point I see a difference in the outcomes pretty clearly Mm -hmm. and would it have been the worst thing in the world to just let it play out and let people make their own judgment calls based on the things that were happening in front of their eyes Right. I think that people being able to see the actual results of vaccination or not vaccination would have would have made a big difference. I mean, for me, that was why I ultimately decided to get vaccinated this like late March, early April was because I'd seen a lot of people get vaccinated and they weren't dropping like flies. So I went like, okay, seems pretty safe to me. I think we're good. Like 50 million people have taken the vaccine now. I think it's okay. And I think that, you know, that People make people pay attention. I know that, you know, the government doesn't always think people are paying attention to what they're doing, but but people are paying attention and they're making mental notes. And I think that the number of people who now won't take the vaccine because the CDC essentially came out this week and said, Alex Berenson is absolutely 100 percent right. The vaccine totally doesn't work. That's that's what they that was their statement this week based on absolutely nothing that I can find that backs it up. Supposedly it's like past noon on Friday now. Supposedly they're going to give us the data today, but I still have seen nothing except their leaked internal document that just says the same stuff that we all knew that some vaccinated people can get sick and that, you know, they can occasionally spread the virus if they have enough uh, virus in their respiratory tract. Mm -hmm. But but this idea this idea that an asymptomatic vaccinated person is walking around spreading virus to a bunch of other people is exactly the thing that all my friends who have been nervous about the vaccine have been telling me for months and that I have been saying to them does not match everything that I know about infectious diseases, everything that I've seen play out in the data from Israel, from the UK, from all these places. And now like based on nothing, we're just going to, say like yeah you're absolutely right the vaccine sucks it's terrible and Mm -hmm. i i I don't understand i literally don't understand how the president can then go out and say like no you should definitely get the vaccine it's great after this week i mean like did they hear did they hear what their own agency said it just boggles my mind yeah and not only that during their last press briefing they actually were like we trust the cdc we place our faith in the cdc they are straight shooters and to hear the vote of confidence 
from the Biden administration mm-hmm. to the CDC after this week was, and in terms of their decision to perhaps re-implement lockdowns and re-implement mitigation strategies, which are catastrophic and not actually mm-hmm. helpful. And for them to cite their trust in the CDC with and, and explain their decision-making process in the future about lockdowns, I was like, all right, well, it was a good country while we had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's over because th- we don't survive this. This is this constant back and forth volleyball game that we're playing mm-hmm. is is just it's not tenable. I have friends who are they work in sort of the the vacation industry mm-hmm. and they plan Passover programs, they plan um, conferences, all of these things and they've 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 taken the week off. They're like yeah, we're not going to plan anything because obviously planning makes no difference and, and I'm going to throw tens of thousands of dollars into a deposit that I'm going to lose. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not putting a deposit down on the hotel. I'm not putting a deposit down um, with the caterer. I, can't, I cannot make plans this way. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to let my business fold, basically, is what it comes down to. And, right. and I think a lot they, of people are thinking that way. Like, it, you know, I can't, plan ahead for the future even in terms of the schools right like our schools ended the school year with five days a week like yes everyone's masked yes they're all like they can't share anything in school they all have to stay at their desk all day and everything and um you know like I I was thinking for my child who's supposed to be in kindergarten this fall like they they can't go around to like different stations in the classroom they can't do different stuff they have to stay at their desk because they can't share anything and I like I think about it and I'm like, I can't, even if they told me they're going to go back to normal, even if they had come back with no masks for September, like, how could I ever trust them again? How can I ever say, like, I'm going to put my kids back in school and hope you guys don't shut anything, hope you guys don't decide randomly in the middle of the year to make my kid wear a mask or that everybody has to stay six feet apart all day or something else. Like, well, like I said, for businesses, like, how do you plan? No, I have friends in similar positions and they're making a lot of, of their their professional decisions. I mean, all women, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. They're making all of their professional decisions around the fact that they don't think that their kids are going to reliably be in school next year. And so, you know, where are the feminists? They're, these are women who have dropped out of their workforce or who have turned down promotions because they're like, I can't promise you 40 hours next year. I'm sorry. I thought I could. I thought I could promise that because I thought I would have had a school system that was operational. Um, To me, I'm starting to wonder at what point businesses um, start saying, like, maybe it makes financial and logistical sense for us to pick up and move. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the one of the sort of examples that I can think of is the Daily Wire, the Ben Shapiro's company they picked up out of LA and they moved their entire staff to Nashville and now their staff can send their kids to school and not be afraid that it's going to be canceled on a Wednesday for the next for three months or six months or the rest of the year right and so that kind of gives their businesses a lot of stability that they would not have had in LA Right. And I think that we're going to see that kind of happening more and more, especially with the with the mask stuff, because even like yeah. I'm pretty moderate on 
COVID interventions, I think. Like I was initially for the initial two weeks to slow the spread when we had no Me tests too. and we had no anything and we, you know, didn't I have no any idea. PPE. We didn't have ventilators. We needed to make sure our hospitals weren't overrun. Like all that stuff. Like I said, you know, I think we have to shut down for a minute and see what's going on. And then, you know, uh, once again, I feel like betrayed by the government that that I put trust that they could do this on a scale where it made sense. And then when there was no more need for it, they could back off. But they obviously have just proven that they they can't back off at all. And now I'm looking. I was pretty much done with masks by this spring because I think the data was pretty clear that it was not a really significant factor in stopping mm-hmm viral spread but you know I put up with it we're in Massachusetts and I put up with it I put up with it they finally ended it in at the end of May of this year and I threw out every mask we had in the house and I said I'm not buying these anymore we're done if there are places that are going to ask us to wear them then we're just not going to go to those places because I'm done with that and now you know we haven't put a mandate back in yet but obviously if the CDC is saying this it's coming and I'm going what do I do do we just order our groceries from now on? Because I'm not I'm not going to now go back to buying masks and putting them back yeah. on my kids. Like I'm not gonna I sent them a couple days a week all last year to like a play center where they could play with other kids for three hours and they had to wear a mask for the three hours, but I figured like at least they're seeing some other kids and it's fine for them. Like right. not gonna do it again this year. I'm just not I know like I know that's that's done. where we are too. So do we just like now move out of state? <laughs> like is that the only other option? Do we go to Florida? And I, and call it a day because we want to live somewhere where where we can make a decision like that. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I think it, it is going to be more and more split because the people that don't want to put up with this are going to take steps to, you know, move away from states that are mm-hmm. making decisions like this. Yeah. No, I mean, you and I are basically in the same exact boat where I, we're also like I, I, I made I stopped making my kids wear masks. Around, around the springtime this year and mm-hmm. it was funny I dropped my four I dropped all my kids off at camp this morning and my four-year-old um I, I like sort of modify an adult mask for him because mm-hmm. I have like packages of disposable masks and um and his teacher was like this is like laughable I'm like well I'm not I don't care because this is literally the last day that he's wearing a mask I am only masking them so they can come to the summer camp and like I haven't asked them to go into a supermarket in forever. Mm-hmm. And like, you can, you can say something to me about it. I, I when whenever they reinstitute the mask mandate, which will of course happen, the supermarket can say something to me or, or they cannot because like, it doesn't matter. I was, I, I, I was, yeah, I, I, it's hard to like, remember that I'm on a podcast and this is actually going to go live, but we're, we're in the same boat. Like I don't want to raise my children if this is what life is like. Never seeing another human face day in, day out. Like it's just, yeah. I mean, I'm not signing my kids up for any activities next year outside of my, my daughter's one preexisting thing that she's done for several years. Mm -hmm. I'm not signing my kids up for any new activities in which they have to wear masks. I didn't renew any of my museum memberships that we yep. like to go to museums or any of those things because I'm not doing like I'm not going to pay you $300 for the pleasure of not being able to breathe mm-hmm. <laughs> for four yeah. hours at the museum. It's ridiculous. Yep. And and I mean, I 
I don't know what to do. Like, I do feel like I'm at a little bit of a breaking point with the kids and the masks and the school and everything. And I, I like do it is a question for me of like, do we pick up and move? Because I don't I don't want to be around people all the time who like every play date is outside in their yard with our kid with masks on. <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, can't I, w- do I it. won't do that again. I mean, thankfully, we have we have a small but sane group of friends who mm-hmm. we can have normalcy with. But is that enough? I don't know. I mean, what what kind of scares me is that if we stay in this area, then this is where my kids are from. You know, like I'm from Long Island and they're going to say I'm from suburban Maryland and they're going to want they're going to want to have a maintain a connection to this area because this is, you know, their childhood home. And do I want them going to college here and meeting a potential future spouse who was raised by absolute freaking psychos? Right. Do I want my future in-laws to be absolute freaking psychos and and my children's potential future spouses to be the byproducts of hysteria over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't want, I, as it is, most of the kids in this area, I don't want my kids to be friends with. And I certainly don't want them to form emotional connections with or r- romantic connections with down the line. Like this is, this, none of this goes in a good direction. And right. none of this is how I want to raise my children. Right. I'm reminded, honestly, so we, my husband and I interviewed for our podcast, um, Rod Dreher, last year when he had his him. new book out. And um, it's funny because I asked him in that interview, I said, like, you got so much criticism when the Benedict Option came out, right? Because it was like, this is so wacko and crazy. You're all going to leave the world. Like, this is nuts. And then, like, when the pandemic happened, it was like, hmm, maybe this isn't so crazy. And, like, I kind of, especially over the last few weeks with people around me making clear that they just want to live like this forever. I've been thinking more and more like, hmm, maybe Rod Dreher was more prescient than even I imagined that like, that, you know, I am going to have to deliberately go out and form community with people who are not, you know, just the people who live around me, but, but form a community of people who are like-minded about how to raise kids and, you know, what kind of community we want to be and the type of families that we want to raise and all these things, because the, the people, the generic public like around me is obviously not on the same page with this. And like, I can't, coexist normally with Mm -hmm. with people who are living this way and it's not I don't know I I feel bad like somebody asked me they were like what do you tell people when when they ask why you're not sending your kids back to school again next year and I said like well because I don't think it's developmentally good for my kids to wear a mask 40 hours a week and like not interact with other kids in a normal Mm way and they said well but then doesn't another person feel like you're judging them or that you're like criticizing yeah, I mean, their parenting that that you would say that? And I said, I don't know, like maybe I'm just I'm Serbian. So maybe I'm just naturally kind of rude. Like we're just blunt right. people. But uh, I mean, maybe maybe it is offensive to them or maybe I am insulting them. But I don't know what else to say at this point, because I really strongly feel that that's true. Like what else? Yes. How else can I say it? Yes. I think it's yes, nuts. And I, <laughs> I, the, I think we all need to understand the deal with the devil that we're all making. Mm -hmm. And we're all making different deals with the devil. The deal with the devil that I'm making is that we still live here. And the deal, the deal with the devil that they're making is that they're making their kids go to school 40 hours a week in a mask. And maybe that's worth it to them, but they need to acknowledge 
that they are making a deal with the devil and there are ramifications for that and they will be emotional they will be developmental they will be social but there there is no way covering a child's face with a dirty piece of cloth for eight hours a day comes with no downsides and it's crazy to me that our betters and our experts are all pretending as though that's not the case mm-hmm. it is so clearly not in the best interest of children to have a dirty piece of cloth over their face all day. Right. And the risks to children from COVID are so low comparatively. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even thought that when this thing came out from the CDC, this leaked PowerPoint, and they're saying it spreads yeah. as easily as chicken pox. And I'm like, okay. And we don't cover kids' faces for chicken pox every year. No. So like, I mean, why I mean, would we it, do it for this? In my neighborhood, there was a massive outbreak. There was uh, there's a, a daycare where a mom gave it to her kid a mom was in the she was hospitalized she gave it to her kids and her kids it went through the entire it's like a daycare summer camp situation Mm -hmm. and there are dozens of kids in my community right now with covid and i'm hearing about all of these families because people are like organizing grocery store runs and whatever for for the families and you know i'm like yeah i dropped off the cucumbers and the milk how is so-and-so doing they're like oh she was just sick um, mm-hmm. Saturday night, she threw up once. She had a little bit of cough on Sunday morning, and now, she, ooh, and that's my baby. Um, <laughs> and now she's like going stir crazy, and she was sick for twelve hours, and it and sick entailed one vomit and a mm-hmm. little bit of a cough the next morning, and that was it. And now the kid is fine, and now going stir crazy, and that is that's the situation for every kid in my neighborhood, and there are probably at least a dozen kids in my neighborhood who have it right now if not more and I've heard from a lot of these families because a lot of the families have three or four kids each and so that's you know the cases Mm -hmm. and no one has said anything beyond the kid was even sick for more than 18 hours let alone like sick enough to go to a doctor or sick enough to go to a Mm -hmm. hospital like it was it was well, and like you they point out, most of them had they not been exposed. Right, most of them got it from somebody else in their house, from an adult, which is what we've seen with COVID spread among kids. Right. Anyways, they're not getting it really from the other kids at the school. Generally, they're getting it from their parents and other people that live. So in that's their home. that's how the outbreak started, but now now it's going through the kids. So they have spread um, it at school. Yeah, they have spread it to some degree. I mean, every kid in the school doesn't have it. There's like a, a handful of kids, but like. Have we ever done this for RSV? No. When RSV kills? Never. Not for chicken pox, not for flu, not for anything Not for the else. measles. Nothing. No, we've never. I mean, maybe there's been times when a school has shut down for a day when they have a high number of right. kids that have something all at once, a day or two, and they like sanitize everything and then invite the kids back. But this idea that we're going to completely change everything we know about childhood development and especially especially like speech and reading development and among younger kids, I like I can't believe that we're doing it. And it's so out of step with the rest of the globe too. That's what blows my yes. mind is there's plenty of countries in Europe that haven't been masking kids under 11 or 12 at all this whole time. And they haven't had significantly more spread of the virus no. in the community. So no, no. I have a friend who she just spent a year in England and she just came back and was like I'm sorry I'm gonna have to do what and Mm -hmm. not just with her older kids but she has a two-year-old right and she's like I'm sorry you expect a two-year-old to be in a mask all day what Mm -hmm. all day and then what the other parents say is well they'll get used to it they'll get used to it one of my like community Facebook pages a parent like 
questioned it and it, the comment section was full of moms like yeah my three-year-old goes to daycare I drop her off in the early morning at 8 30 and we pick her up after school care time at 5 30 she wears the mask the whole time except for snacks she's fine she forgets to take it off she loves it now she reminds me and I'm like well that's There's- great that she got used to it but like and I'm not comparing masks to child abuse because I don't mm-hmm. think that they are child abuse that being said um I had an unconventional childhood that I would not replicate. Mm-hmm. Love my mother, would not replicate my childhood. I I got used to the rotating cast of boyfriends in our house and my like my mother never being home and like I got used to a lot of stuff because you don't know any better. Right. And now as an adult, I can see my childhood for what it was and it was not ideal. Mm-hmm. But kids can get used to a lot of things. It doesn't mean that it's good for them. Our role as parents is to discern what is good and what is healthy and what is not. The, the fact, I mean, I'm hearing it constantly too. People are constantly saying, well, my kid is used to it. Okay, well, you can get your kid used to a lot of things. Doesn't make it right. And uh, you're dropping the ball by not advocating for your child. Right. It's It comes to a point where it's like, you know... Like I said, again, like about, am I judging other people? Like, well, I guess kind of, yeah, I am judging other people a little bit, but I don't think it's healthy and I don't think it's good and I don't want it for my kids. So if people feel judged by me making that decision, then... Well, it's not, it's not like they're not judging us too. (laughs) That's true too. (laughs) They're out there judging too, it's true. Yeah, no, I mean, I I just went to Trader Joe's with some of my kids and I haven't made my kids wear a mask in forever. And I have been getting looks this whole time from parents. The the worst looks that I get are from other parents of kids similar ages to mine where their kids are wearing masks. And they kind of look at me like, my kid's wearing a mask. Why can't yours? I'm like, because I don't hate my kid. That's why. Like, if we're going to play this game, my kid isn't in a mask because I don't hate them. Right. Yeah, because I'm not trying to you know, make them be a part of a whole charade to make me feel good and my mental problems around a virus that's outside of my control. But I think, you know, too, I think it does come down to like people being able to control their circumstances. And it's something I've noticed like about a lot of parenting decisions is that Mm -hmm. a lot of it comes down to like fear of things being outside of your own control. Yeah, scary things. I mean, one of one of the things that I sort of I write about a lot is when parents um, sort of blame other parents who have left accidentally left their kids in the car and the kids have died in hot cars or a kid drowns or like any of these sorts of horrible tragic accidents the first impulse from a lot of parents perspectives is to blame the parent whose child mm-hmm. died that i would never do that what kind of parent does that because they cannot handle the possibility that something senseless and something horrifying and something tragic can happen to any of us at any given time right and instead of acknowledging that and and living with that they choose to victim blame and Mm -hmm. it's um it's really really sad and it it doesn't make their child any safer um because for me like i acknowledge that anything can happen at any point and i try to set up sort of safeguards for myself like i count my kids when i get in the car and when i get out of the car and because I acknowledge I am human, I am fallible, and I could leave someone in the car. Right. And that would be horrifying. Um, but this has been a trend, 
I mean, this is helicopter parenting. This is what, mm-hmm. where it all comes from. They all think that they can prevent something tragic if they never stop watching their child and doing everything for their child and being everything for their child. Um, when the, it, the illusion of control is simply an illusion. Right. And I mean, I see it even like with small stuff. Like one of my kids has really bad allergies. And like every time I say it to somebody, somebody goes like, oh, your kid's allergic to eggs. Have you tried free range eggs? Did you feed them organic eggs? Did you eat it during pregnancy? Did you avoid it during pregnancy? Like they're trying to figure out like what I did to have my kid have an allergy because, and I like, at first I was like kind of offended by it. And then I just realized like, it's just because they're just scared it could happen to them. And they, they want to know, they want reassurance that I want to see you do it. It's great. Uh, <laughs> um, that they're, they that just want to know that there's a reason that, that it happened to me so that they know how to avoid it happening to them yes, so that they yes. can feel good about it. And like, and I think a lot of this COVID stuff comes down to that. Like, well, if we wear a mask, if we open this window, if we do this thing, if we get tested, if we stay six feet apart and like... It's tough to acknowledge that like maybe diseases don't always like follow all these rules that we set out for them and maybe they spread in other ways that we didn't anticipate and maybe the things that we think are stopping them aren't really stopping them or whatever else it is. Yeah. But I I have one of my favorite books is um, Steve Silberman. Um, He wrote an incredible book about autism called Neurotribes Mm -hmm. and he wrote a lot about the history of autism and the number one thing that they thought caused it for really long time in the like 40s 50s 60s 70s was something called refrigerator moms and it was basically just mommy shaming it was like well your kid is autistic because you did x y and z to them Mm -hmm. and they could not get past this idea that children were born with developmental and neuro atypical behaviors for a reason that was not the mother's fault not not Mm -hmm. the parents it's always the mother's fault um, and I, it's, it's kind of interesting watching how COVID has played out over the last year and a half, because several of my absolute most careful friends are the ones who have gotten it. And meanwhile, like we haven't been to particular fall, like mm-hmm. this sort of window of time in the last like week or two where we've been a little bit more careful because of the baby has been an exception we haven't been careful really at all. We've, we traveled to Florida. We traveled to Utah. We did mm-hmm. a, a Passover program in Utah with like 250 other families all in the same dining room together. Um, in March of this year, um, we went to Colonial Williamsburg several times. We've been eating in restaurants when we're able to like, mm-hmm. we never got it, but yeah. I have or you might've gotten who, in and been asymptomatic and who knows? Like, so I don't think I did because I got, um, I got the antibody test before mm-hmm. I got the vaccine, the vaccine and I didn't have antibodies and my husband did as well. Um, and he didn't have antibodies either. Um, but my friends who would only go out once a week in that double mask to Trader Joe's and stock up for the whole week. And that was their one and only indoor exposure. They got it. Which yeah, I'm kind of like, it. how did that happen? Um, yeah, and I have several friends who were nice. the same. They they only had outdoor playdates, distanced and masked, and never went inside anywhere. They mm-hmm. only did Instacart. They got it this week too, and I'm like, how? And and it just it shows you like, there's no rhyme, there is no reason. Mm-hmm. It's a virus. 
But you can see in the way a lot of people talk about it, like, oh, those people in Florida, they deserved it when they got it. Or that person who didn't get the vaccine, we'll put him on the cover of this newspaper mm-hmm. because he he chose to get COVID, essentially. It's like, it's a, and yeah. I think that there's... I think it's part of the same phenomenon of the mommy shaming phenomenon that people just want to know that there's a reason why this person is suffering. And if you can, if you can tease out the secret reason why this person's suffering and you're not, then it's okay to like feel good about the fact that it's happening to them. But I just like, I'm so down this week that we're going back into the craziness and the blaming and the shaming over masks and distancing and things being closed and everything else i mean based as far as i can tell on absolutely nothing like I, yeah i mean what, I, what i'm hoping is that other people are 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 where we are mm-hmm. and things are going to break I, I there's a lot of friends that i have that are quite liberal who have just had it with the school stuff who have had it with the mask stuff i think a lot more people are at a breaking point than than there were in May of 2020, which is when right. I hit a breaking point. Um, I think that a lot of people are done. Um, and I'm curious to see um, sort of businesses' reactions to this. Mm-hmm. Are they going to sort of fold and do what they did and say, okay, we're going to have everybody working from home again? Or are they going to say, like, we're not enforcing the mask mandate in the office. Do whatever you want to do. We're done here. Everybody mm-hmm. is an adult and everyone can be vaccinated and it's not up to us as a, as an office and as a place of business to decide to, to make everyone wear right. masks. We're not going to make that decision for everybody. But also, like, if you have extenuating circumstances, if you have a newborn in your house, for example, you might want to make different decisions and everybody is just granted the ability to make a personal risk assessment, which is what we should have done in May of 2020. Everyone should have made a personal risk assessment based on their personal circumstances. Mm -hmm. And if we were allowed to do that, we didn't have a newborn back then. I wasn't pregnant back then. We would have just been living our lives normally. And there would have been a fair number of us who would have done so. And like maybe others would have followed and maybe 40% of business, small businesses wouldn't have closed. Right. And I mean, even... You say May of 2020. I mean, they could have been honest with information even further back. They could have been honest with information about masks back in March of 2020 and maybe saved lives back then by giving people the information to make an informed decision for themselves about whether or not to wear a mask instead of telling people masks absolutely don't work. That's ridiculous. Don't wear a mask because they wanted to save them for healthcare professionals and, you know, cause a major hit to credibility. It's yeah, the dishonesty is what kills me. I mean, we knew somebody who was a manager in an office in early March and somebody in the office was immune compromised and said like is it possible we could wear masks in the office because I'm immune compromised and I'm getting a little nervous about this whole thing and HR said absolutely not the CDC says masks don't work they're counterproductive they're bad and you know like that part there wasn't an outbreak in that office but like I just wonder how many other places things like that happen where people made decisions based on bad information you know because yeah. the HR departments and everybody else is just going to go by what the government tells them is the right thing to do well, what's extremely frustrating is that here we are in July of 2021 and they're saying mask mandates again what kind of freaking mask let's have that conversation Mm -hmm. because the t-shirt over your face is not protecting you from a virus and N95 would have why didn't we go into mass production of actually effective masks right and have them available for people instead 
we told them that they could put a t-shirt over their face and they were protected. And I'm sorry, that's absolute malarkey, to quote our president. Mm -hmm. And we're still there. We're still in 2020 telling people, basically, you can trust the the floral print t-shirt you have on your face more than you can trust the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Whereas we should have been telling people the vaccine is absolutely modern medical miracle full stop if you still feel like you need to be wearing a mask please choose one that is effective here are your options the government has subsidized their mass production and they are available at every post office right what, what and those masks are effective enough too just like the vaccine actually not to put too fine a point on it but so that if you put on an N95 and it fits you properly, you don't have to be worried about whether or not other people in the building are wearing a mask because the Mm. N95 protects you and you don't have to worry about what the other people are doing. And we should have been sending that message, I mean, for the last year, we should have been telling people, if you're really worried that other people are going to kill you, then you need to wear a mask that actually blocks out viruses and not, you know, a piece of cotton because it's not going to, it's not going to do that. Yep. <sighs> but I don't know. It makes me hopeful talking to you. Maybe maybe there are other people out there who are saying like re- enough is enough, really. I really think there are. I really think people are reaching a breaking point. I mean, I know that there are in my husband's office with the mask mandate in DC. They're just like people are like, Mm-mm, this cannot we cannot do this again. Right. And and I'm I'm hoping I mean I'm I'm hearing it also from other moms because we're trying to plan our homeschool activities for next year. And Every single one of my mom friends who we homeschool with, because we have like sort of a, a small but nice circle of, of folks, mm-hmm. every single one of them is like, okay, I'll sign my daughter up for that art class if they don't require masks. And that's, that's where all of us are. Okay, we'll sign them up if that person doesn't require masks. If they do, then we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm the same way with it. I'm not going to, I am holding back on signing up for all the sports and everything else because believe it or not, our town continue to require our kids outside playing sports to wear masks out in Me the too. open air in the field. All the little five-year-olds playing soccer had it, to wear masks. I think it's important. And I did this also because our town did the same thing. I emailed them and said, when you drop that requirement, we'll sign up for soccer again. I am not signing up because you are enforcing outdoor masks on children mm-hmm. who are engaged in vigorous exercise. And I think that every parent needs to do what we're doing, but also needs to make clear to the people that are setting these expectations that uh, that we are not signing them up for XYZ reason. I'm not renewing my, my aquarium membership, and I'm telling them why. I'm telling them because you enforce masks on my four-year-old and that's not something that I am paying for because that we're not going to go and we're not going to use our membership. Um, right. And I'm, I'm also, you know, when I'm in the car and I have a quiet 15 minutes where nobody's screaming, I'll call 311 and I'll just leave a message for the county executive. Hey, just want to, and I just complain about everything now. Like not just I, my sort of my Karen thing that I was doing for months Mm -hmm. was complaining about how the libraries were running. And I'm like, you don't have them open. You, I put a hold on a book and it's not available for three weeks. And then I have to sign up for a pickup window that is 15 minutes long. And I have to book it a week in advance and you're quarantining books for three days. That's why it's Mm -hmm. taking weeks to get a book because you're quarantining books on both sides. And so if we're going 
if we're going to be paying property taxes here, you're going to hear from me weekly. And so once a week, I had it on my to-do list to call the county executive and complain. I called the county executive and complained about the fact that they weren't doing in-person car seat checks. Mm -hmm. That's not something the fire department was doing. The fire department were doing, uh, they would book a party for you so you could have a, a, a birthday party there and you could pay them a donation. But they weren't checking car seats for new parents. And I called and I called once a week and said like, hi, I'm a new parent and I'd like to have my car seat checked by a car seat certified technician. The county isn't offering that. Why not? Like it's time to just become squeaky wheels. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do nothing but complain and set these set these sort of impositions and restrictions on on our lives then it's time to be squeaky wheels and fight back a little bit yeah our town made the mistake of putting our uh health officer's cell phone number on the website early in the pandemic so he knows me personally now we have a close relationship where i text him frequently about my my problems around town i love it as it should be um but yeah i mean i I think, it, yeah, it has to be a squeaky wheel thing. And I think that it has to be just a non-compliance thing, too. I'm yes. going to continue to do what I started to do this spring when the restrictions were lifted and walk into businesses not wearing a mask. And if they don't yep. want me, then I say, see you later. I'll go find a business that does. But yep, I'm in the same boat. I'm done. But yeah, and so I hope I hope more people are going to be joining us now that now that we're heading back down this road going into the fall so. we're starting school year three that's yep being impacted like this so hopefully i hope so but um i wanted to thank you for joining me today i know it's a lot i like felt guilty even messaging you because i'm like she has a brand new baby what is she doing but i talked to tom so like great. what four days after he was born i know yes and i told him i'm like why did you tell her to be ask her to be on your show leave her alone what are you doing I was on a radio show until midnight last night, which was not my, I did not consent to it. They thought I was supposed to be on for 15 minutes and they're like, oh, we have you booked for the whole hour. And I was like, okay. (gasps) Oh no, that's terrible. Well, thank you so much for coming on with me and talking so long and everything else. You're a delight to talk to you. Thank you. And um, and I'll get it out there today. And uh, and hopefully we can uh, get the word out to people to start uh, just not paying attention to any of this mm-hmm. nonsense. Yeah, so I appreciate it. And um, I will talk to you soon, hopefully. Clouds rolled in and I said, must have brought the rain from Boston. But you looked at me and I felt the sun